You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Guys, welcome back to the SLC Dunk Podcast. I'm really excited for our host or our guest tonight. Uh, he could be hosting this podcast, honestly, but our guest tonight is Rafael Barlow. Uh, you may know him from working with Chad Ford at NBA Big Board. He also or NBA Big Board. He also has created NBA Draft Junkies. Um, I wanted to get Rafael not only because I love your stuff. Um, one of the best draft follows out there. Everyone, if everyone who's listening or watching on YouTube, make sure you go follow Rafael. It's uh, at Barlow 500, and I'll put a link down in the in the SLC Dunk article and then the YouTube video. But make sure you go follow Rafael. Uh, but anyways, Rafael, you had a really cool article that you put out on on NBA Draft Junkies on your Substack, and it was about the Utah Jazz and three potential draft picks. So I wanted to talk about that. Um, anyways, sorry, I'm just diving in. I just want to uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, yeah, it was actually. NBA Big Board. That's where the article was on. It was on oh, was NBA it on NBA Big Board? Okay. Yeah, NBA Big Board, oh. not NBA Draft Junkies. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'll put that on the link. NBA Big Board. You guys can all follow that. That was the one you worked on with Chad Ford, and mm-hmm. and now yep. uh, Raphael's running the show there. So uh, that's great. Um. Anyways, I'll put a link to that, guys. You've got to go read it. It's it's a lot of fun, and and make sure that you just subscribe to the Substack. Uh, but anyways, I wanted to ask you, Raphael, since you're you're a draft expert, you're one of the best out there. Um, great follow. I, I know I learn a lot from what you're from your work and everything. Uh, the Jazz went into this offseason and they had no draft picks, no first round pick, no second round pick. It was they just had and Jazz fans weren't really expecting uh, much from this draft. So when the Jazz came out of these trades and, you know, they've been the trades everyone's been talking about for Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, they also came out of this of these trades with two rookies. Uh, they have Walker Kessler. And Ochai Abaji. And I thought, you know, there's no better person out there than Raphael to come on and kind of let jazz fans know a little bit what to expect from from those guys and and kind of what you I guess what's your expectations for them as NBA players? Yeah, Walker Kessler is um a name I, I always get it confused. I have to stop myself. Is it Walker Kessler or Kessler Walker? Kessler but, Walker. See, that's the thing. I'm not even that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you had it right. I think I'm wrong. Uh, it, it's always confusing to me. Every time I, like I said, I think I got it right, it's the other way around. But it is Walker Kessler. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because there, there's a guy in last year's draft or a 2021 draft named Kessler Edwards. That's right. And then the, and so then there's Walker. So anyway, he is a tremendous shot blocker. I know that's something that Jazz fans probably have a little bit more respect for than, than <laughs> other right. fan bases. Uh, but he's, a, a, I mean, just an incredible shot blocker. If I'm not mistaken, 
I think only like Hassan Whiteside had a better like block rate in the past like 10 to 15 years or something like that. So he's a very good defender. The concern is can he defend in space? But I think he has a little bit more offensive game and upside than he was able to show at uh, at Auburn. He went to North Carolina his freshman year, didn't play much. Um, he was behind um, uh, Davron Sharp, who was playing for the Nets now. So he was kind of in a situation where there's kind of a log jam of bigs, goes to Auburn, just pairs with Jabari Smith, and they have like this dynamite defense. But he's, again, just an incredible rim protector. And then as far as Akbaji, he's he's a guy that, you know, he's a four-year guy, which is very rare in, in college basketball today. A lot of times you may think, oh, if a guy's stuck around that long, then there must be something wrong. I have a, a running joke that if you're, like, ranked among your school's all-time leaders in some category, then you then you stayed <laughs> in school a long time because you don't see that anymore. Oh, no. I mean, you if you're an NBA prospect, anymore. you're not staying in school very often. Yeah, and so I, I think at one point, um, you know, after his freshman year, people thought, okay, this guy's going to be a first-round pick. Didn't necessarily progress like people thought, but he's just one of the rare guys that chose to get better in college as opposed to getting better in the NBA or in the G League, whatever. Just had a breakout senior season, shot the cover off the ball. I think that his NBA role will be as this like three and D wing transition finisher can shoot off the, uh, off the move. I wouldn't expect much like offensive creativity off the dribble as far as like being a guy that you know, you can give the ball to at the end of the shot clock and clear out and say, go get us a bucket. But I, I definitely think that he is a – he was worthy of where he was selected. So he was selected um, at the back end of the lottery. So I thought Utah came out with, with two, you know, good first-round picks in, in this draft or last year's draft via, via – I know. Well, we were just draft. excited because – Oh, yeah. We were so, I mean, honestly, it was such a depressing draft for Jazz fans because they had just had that really disappointing finish against Dallas. And then they have zero draft picks to kind of replenish. So it's honestly, with all the trades, and I know the Jazz are probably not going to be very good next year, watching Agbaji and 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 either Kessler Walker, Walker Kessler. Now, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I wanted to get so a lot of my I've been trying to watch some Abaji, Agbaji film and summer league. He actually looked pretty impressive to me. Yeah. I mean, it almost looked a little, there's a hint of like buddy healed to me. I don't know if you see that at all, but he could really shoot it from three. And I think that would be kind of, I don't know if he'll get to that level of scoring and shooting that buddy healed does, but the shot looks good. I, I, I don't know. I wonder if it could translate in that way. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I just think that the reason why he didn't have the same, Buzz and, and it's funny, Buddy Hill went to school for a long time too. So yeah, that, so they're kind of comparable. Yeah, that that's a comparison I've never thought of. My comparison for him was I thought he could end up being like a Desmond Bain, but Bain ended up falling late in the first round because you know I said he was older, one dimensional. He didn't have like this crazy impressive wingspan, and that you know was a great pick by Memphis. I think in a redraft. Desmond Bain is definitely a top 10 pick. And so that was my comparison as far as not necessarily saying their games are very similar, just the situation of a senior. And, uh, but Agbaji ended up, you know, 
climbing up the, the draft boards as the season went on. He, you know, may end up being like a late first round pick. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's ready to come in and contribute <laughs> right away, which I thought for him would be more beneficial for him to go to a team that is looking for a rookie to come in and crack the rotation as opposed to a team that is totally rebuilding. Um, but either way, I think that Utah got a, a pretty good player. Yeah, I think I think he has a chance to be a really nice role player in the NBA. And who knows? Maybe, maybe he's one of those guys that just gets to another level. Who knows? Uh, but that, like you said, the Jazz, or like we talked about, the Jazz traded Donovan Mitchell away recently. It's kind of been one of the big NBA storylines. And then obviously the Rudy Gobert uh, trade. Both those trades definitely made the Jazz worse, and they're going to be in the running next year for some nice possibilities in the draft. Um, my guess is they're probably going to at some point trade Boyan Bogdanovich and, and Mike Conley and all those guys. Cause there are some transcendent players in this draft. And I, um, you wrote about three draft possibilities for the jazz in this draft. And I kind of wanted to go through all three. And I, I think fans are getting to know this draft pretty quickly because it really does feel like one of the more exciting drafts I've seen in a long time. Um, not, not only just, kind of transcendent players but honestly some pretty fun players that i think will be just unique and and really different and the one player that you kind of mentioned and everyone's talking about he looks like i mean he <laughs> i can't honestly can't wait to watch this guy enter the league um i hope it's for the utah jazz i'll be honest i really hope so but uh you know is victor Wembenyama, mm -hmm. uh and like you mentioned he's kind of being compared to gobert on defense but then on offense, he's got this game. I mean, he does kind of look like Chet Holmgren, but he's bigger. And I, just from what I've seen, he looks a little more polished offensively to me. Um, I guess you want to talk a little bit about Victor Wembanyama, what you see, and and I, I guess I want to ask you: Is this guy a potential MVP type player in the league when he comes in the league? Not right away. I think that. They're going to bring him along slowly. He has the same agent as Gobert. And so um, you know, I think for a lot of people, their first time hearing about him was this video came out when he was like 14 maybe or 15 where he was playing Rudy one-on-one. -on -one. And if you look at Rudy, you know, I remember when Rudy played for the Bakersfield Jam. You know, yeah. Rudy came along slowly and just got better and better every year. And um, they like I said, they, they have the same agent, and I'm pretty good friends with, with – um, with, with their with their agent. And so I think with Wimbayama, I mean he just loads of potential. I mean if you watch the under nineteen tournament last summer, twenty twenty one, he outplayed Chet. I mean, if it wasn't for Kenny Lofton Jr., he saved Team USA from losing to to France in the gold medal game. And in my opinion, Wimbayama was head and shoulders the best player at that tournament. And on Team USA, you had Johnny Davis, you had Kennedy Chandler, you had Chet Holmgren, you had um, Peyton Watson. All these guys were drafted. And, you know, if Wimbayama doesn't get in foul trouble, then, then maybe France wins the gold medal. Um, but there are some similarities to Chet. He's bigger. He's bigger than Chet. I know, like, he's been listed at 7'2", but he's he's really 7'5". And That's so, um, huge. yeah. Can I cut in? So one of the yeah. things, so jazz fans are already just like, I mean, everyone is talking, it's called, we're calling it Wemben Yama Rama over here in Utah. And okay. we, but 
what are your thoughts on the injuries? Like you mentioned kind of he's had some minor injuries. Uh or at least I've seen some people mention that. Maybe you can yeah, yeah. That. but what are what are what are your thoughts on that? Is this is that something for jazz fans to be nervous about? Um yeah, you know, anytime you have a big at that size, there are going to be some injury concerns, which is why I think that uh, his agent, Buna, has left a perfect plan for him in a sense. He understands that there's this pressure of, you know, that the hype that's coming along with it. But he, he went from Asvel, which is a team in France. Um, I think it's Tony Parker's part owner or something like that. And Asvel was a very... Com- competitive team they played in the domestic French league and they played in the Euro league and he moved Victor down to a team called the Metropolitans 92 which is just they're only playing in the French league so they're only playing once a week so he's preserving his body there you know he's you know he's again he's seven five like he always was listed at seven two but even if you look at the picture from last summer when him and Chet were <laughs> I mean, he, he makes Chet look small. It's yeah, crazy. so, um, so I think they're they have a game plan in place as to make sure that you know he's getting better, he's developing, but not playing like thirty minutes a game, not getting beat up, just kind of bringing him along slowly. So I do think that you know some people may be a little bit disappointed because you know all the hype and they're expecting this Luka Doncic type year. That's not going to happen. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if he plays 20 to 25 minutes a game max. It's all about developing, letting him get stronger. And, of course, you can't fully avoid injuries, but at the same time, just understand, like, just, he's he's young. Like, he's actually young enough to where he could play at the under-19s next summer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what? I really liked what you mentioned about Gobert because I think one thing – I mean, Gobert's been in the league for like eight, nine years now. And I Is think he even people, 30 yet? <laughs> I Yeah, he's like, he's right around 30. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I think he might be exactly 30. But I, one thing I, I don't think people remember is that Gobert came in the league. He was so skinny, but he was so long and tall. Yep. And he got bullied in pre-draft workouts. That was part of the why he, the reason he fell to the Jazz. He played against, um, oh, what's his name? The Stephen. Oh, Stephen he's Adams. the big center. Yeah, he played against Steven Adams famously in Minnesota and just got bullied. And I think he had some sort of ankle injury or something like that. But, I mean, he he had that injury that in that first season he got starting minutes with Gordon Hayward. They played the Clippers. And, if, if I mean, I don't know if people remember, he got injured on the very first play. And, you know, and he had some ankle injuries early in his career. The Jazz worked with him, and he's been really durable since then. So I think – yeah. Wembenyama's similar. I mean, he's so tall, so skinny, so long. Um, I think, you know, I think it's going to just take some time for him to learn how to prevent the injuries. I mean, even other guys that aren't even like as big as him, like Steph Curry had to learn how to play mm-hmm. with his ankle because, you know, beginning of his career, it, we weren't even sure if he'd have a long career. And so, yeah, you know, I remember I live in Dallas and I remember um, the year Rudy came into the league, he did his pre-draft training in Dallas. And uh, wow. and he was very thin. And I, I remember hearing stories that Buna was saying, like Buna's agent saying, he's going to be very good. The teams are just like, no, he, he's raw. And uh, Buna also used to represent Clint Capella. 
Clint Capella came along very slow too. He spent his whole entire first year in the G League, and then he ended up um, getting some minutes for the Rockets at the very end of the season in the playoffs. And then the next year, he ended up being their starting center. So he has a track record of bringing his bigs along slowly. I mean, the pressures are totally different now. I mean, those guys have totally exceeded their draft positions. And Ubiyama's projected to go number one. But, I mean, I, I definitely think that Buna has a, a plan for him. And I think, you know, just in, in general, in a sense, Utah is a place where I think the fans will be patient oh, and sure. definitely appreciate what what he brings to the table. So, you know, if you're a Jazz fan, <laughs> for you for your sake, I mean, I'm hoping that, that he lands there because I think the fan base, like I said, will be patient and and understand that he's a kid <laughs> and so not expect i mean i think there's going to be expectations but not expecting him to come right away and lead the team to to like the conference finals in year two or three um but i mean i think he's going to be really good he has some skill set that he hasn't really been able to fully showcase i, I know last year they kind of had him playing as a jump shooter and the numbers weren't there efficiently they weren't there but I've seen some video where he's handling the ball and shooting step backs. And he spent this summer in Dallas. And I didn't get a chance to to watch him. But from everything that I've heard, and I know some people that are really in the circle, and most people, and I've heard this from multiple people, the thing that's the most impressive about him is they say that he is a genius. Like they say he is extremely, extremely intelligent. Mm. And so... um you know, his trainer had mentioned to me, like, he would try to throw different things at him, and he just passed. Everyone said his mind, his processing processing speed as far as how he, you know, just processes information. He said it's just absolutely incredible. <laughs> You're gonna, I'm just going to get more and more disappointed if we don't land the number one pick. Well, I, I mean, I, I think he, somehow Beasley's going to be moved. Donovan <laughs> yeah. is going to be moved. Clarkson, Conley, <laughs> and, and <laughs> whatever, whatever we got to do. I, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so, he, he's just honestly, I, when I look at him, on if you just designed like, hey, this is what I want, and just like a NBA prospect, he's just everything. And like when you mentioned the the IQ, that that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. And I think the other thing too, I think you know, this is something just from covering players for such a long time. He seems like he has drive, and he and he seems like he has that competitiveness. I, those guys that that have that just like competitiveness, that drive, it's the thing that kind of gets them yep. to be better. I don't know if you've heard anything about that. Like, yes, I, I have, I have, I've heard that. Like, he wants to be good, and not necessarily because of the, you know, the expectations. He just wants to be good for himself, where they have to tell him look, it's going to take some time, slow down. You don't want to over extend your body or, you know, put too much on it. Cause you, you look at a guy like Yao, his career was shortened because he, he could never take breaks. And usually it's something that you can end up seeing with international players. I mean, if, even if you look at, I mean, we use Rudy, for example, he played the regular season this year. He played the Olympics last year. And then now he's playing Euro basket this year. So, for him to be as durable as he has been, 
despite the fact that he really doesn't get summers off because he's constantly playing with national team duties is, I mean, it's pretty amazing. And I think with Victor, I think eventually you'll see that, but they're going to make sure that his body can, can handle it. And so um, I'm out to say this, I've heard it's just, he wants to get better. He wants to play. He wants to, um, he wants to be great. And there's kind of like a, a knock on French players in a sense. I mean, Rudy's like the exception. And I remember asking, cause I, I've spent some time in France and I've seen how, like I've seen a, a team of French players at a pre-draft workout. And, you know, if you didn't know, you just say talent for talent, skill for skill, they were on par with the Americans. And then once they started playing, it was a huge difference in the mentality. And so I was asking different people what made Rudy stand out. And they say Rudy's just, I mean, I've heard multiple people say this, but say he's just naturally a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) But they say it in a way as if like he's driven. That's why he wears 27. He, He wants to prove everybody wrong and he's still driven to prove teams wrong for passing on him in the draft. Then I've heard, um, you know, Tony Parker has this chip on his shoulder, but it's because he spent half of his summers growing up in Chicago and his dad let him get beat up on the playgrounds there. And I've heard Evan Fournier is just a a natural, just worker, 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 who's maximized all his talent because he's not like, you know, the fastest, doesn't jump the highest. And they said that out of those guys, Victor is in the range of like Rudy, more naturally gifted, but just wants to really, really be great. He's not into like the whole lifestyle and being like Mr. Fashionable mm-hmm. or just wanting <laughs> to be an NBA player. Like I said he wants to be great first and then his other interests fall in line behind that. Yeah. I mean, Rudy, cause you know, Rudy has some, things with touch he's never really quite developed certain elements of his game that really could have not taken fluid him. yeah but rudy's drive is just so big that he just you know he became the best at the things he was good at you know yep. rim protection rolling to the rim things like that and so i think honestly rudy could be a great mentor for him and i to me I, i'm kind of happy that rudy is connected to victor that he can kind of mentor him when he comes into the league and i think that's pretty cool uh i wanted yep. to talk so Victor is, I think, I just don't think anyone's going to, but maybe it's possible. I think Victor's going to be the number one, unless some crazy injury happens or some something weird happens. The number two consensus is probably Scoot Henderson. Um, you, you talked about Scoot and he being someone that maybe the Jazz might be looking at. Um, do you want to tell Jazz fans a little bit about Scoot and what, what, what he is as a prospect? Yeah, Scoot is tremendous. He reminds me a little bit of your Derrick Rose, your Steve Francis. He's like this athletic point guard that can get to his spots anytime he wants to. Very advanced for his age. Was playing at only 17 years old in the G League against grown men. And, I mean, he had some pretty phenomenal games there. The biggest concern is the outside shooting. But I think he just had a difficult time adjusting from high school to the NBA line. And I mean, with his athleticism and his strength and skill set, you know, that he was able to get to the rim whenever he wanted in high school. And so um, he has big hands. I mean, I think he's going to be really good. I think he's a number one pick in other drafts. And I think there's still a chance that he could go number one this year. 
or, or 2023 simply because he's going to have better numbers than Victor. He's going to have the ball in his hands. That whole Ignite team is going to really be built around him. And I think it's in like the, the best. That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. That's fun to watch. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's in the best interest of the Ignite to have him like have a big year simply because now they have so much competition with college basketball. Like the, the money situation doesn't. Oh, definitely. You know, really matter that much anymore. Like, like, like they were hoping it to. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's an outside chance because I, even though, I mean, we've had bigs win, you know, first and second MVP this year, I guess if you consider Giannis a natural center, I still think it's a guards game, a wing game, and he has just the tools that, that teams are, are looking for. So I think there's an outside chance. And, I mean, it, it could end up being just an acquired taste. I mean, it could be a team that says, you know, uh, Wimbenyama is, is rare, but the bigs we've seen at that size have had some injury issues. I'm going to go with the safer. We've, we've seen more Derek Rose, John ja Morantz. We've seen more of those types than we've seen seven, five guys have long NBA careers. So I, I think, again, there's an outside chance. Yeah, I. so when I watch him, he kind of, Derek Rose, great comparison, like pre-injury Derek Rose. Uh, the other guy he kind of makes me think of is like young John Wall. When John Wall came in the league, he was just mm-hmm. so physically imposing and he played yeah. that guard role. Um, one thing I have a question, how big is Scoot? Because some of these sites, it feels like, I, I don't know if he's like 6'2", is he 6'4"? How big is he? I've seen 6'3". I've seen 6'3". Okay. But he was 17 last year, so you know, he, he could grow. He might grow more. Yeah. Um, but I, I know he has like a long wingspan and huge hands. And I think that okay. the, the big hands just makes it so much easier for him to finish around the rim. I mean, you, you remember like Michael Jordan, not saying it's Michael Jordan, but remember how he used to be able to just. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Do crazy things with the basketball oh, yeah. and, and lay it up at the last minute because his hands were so big. And I mean, I've seen Scoot have a possession where he drove the ball and then he like palmed it off 
the bounce and, and dunked. And I mean, I haven't seen that from like a point guard. I think people said Stockton had really huge hands mm-hmm. that that played a role in him being as good as he was. So I, I think that's like a major advantage that he has that people may not really notice right right off the or notice immediately. Yeah, I'm trying to think of players with like Kawhi has big hands, notoriously yeah. big hands, and it just it doesn't hurt, you know. No. It can help you. Well, that I. I I mean, that's one thing about this draft, too, is it's like a fun draft. At worst, Scoot Henderson is just going to be an exciting player in the NBA. I just have a hard time not seeing him be just pretty electric. And and I think that's one thing that Scoot kind of has, maybe that Victor doesn't quite. Is I think you're right. I think it might take a year or two for Victor to kind of develop into his size because he is so long and big. And and But Scoot seems like one of those players that, is probably going to be the rookie of the year. I imagine just, he's going to come in, he's going to be on a team and he's going to just get the ball and do a lot of, I mean, he's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, so this, I, the, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get versed in the draft and, and there's a bunch of guys, Victor and, and scoot get a lot of the headlines and they're the ones that everyone kind of looks at, goes and watch their YouTube highlights. You met this other, uh, set of players you mentioned this and you mentioned an idea that on that was really fun to me <laughs> uh but you also wrote about the thompson twins this is the kind of the third um and i don't know I've, I've seen some mock drafts where these guys aren't falling in three and four and things like that but you mentioned the thompson twins these are uh prospects that a lot of people are also excited about uh can you just tell jazz fans a little bit about the thompson twins um i guess they're they're twins and their games are pretty similar actually which is kind of interesting but can you tell us a little bit about the thompson twins and what you see when you watch them oh and also can you let me know what is is it overtime elite i am not quite sure what overtime elite is maybe you can explain what that is too so yeah so for jazz fans this year you're gonna have to pay attention to more than college (laughs) basketball because what makes this class so unique is that there's a chance, and the players that I mentioned in this article, none of them are playing college basketball. So if you're a Jazz fan, you may not be able to just turn on, you know, ESPN and get the guy, watch the guy that you're hoping they select because Victor is going to be in France, Scoot is on the Ignite, and the Thompson Twins are in Overtime Elite, which is going into their second year. And it was, I guess, the initial thought process behind it is we're going to start this league of young high school players. We're going to pay them. We're going to make them professionals, allow them to, you know, be able to monetize their, you know, their just monetize their likeness and be able to make money. I think they're getting paid like a hundred thousand dollars a year, but they're taking classes and it's, it was supposed to compete with the G league for, for different talent. And then the NCAA does NIL. So now you know, everybody's like throwing money out and guys are getting paid. But with, with overtime, last year was their first year. They had a couple of kids that they thought were going to get drafted and did not get drafted. So people were just kind of saying, ah, you know, it's it's a high school league. It's a glorified high school league. The competition is is not on the level as college basketball or the G League or even overseas. But then they get these twins and they were able to to, to get the Thompson twins before they like blew up on the AAU circuit. So they found them early. I mean, 
when I say these are two of the most athletic players I've seen enter the draft in years, I'm talking like that Vince Carter weird athleticism where it's like <laughs> explosive, but it just looks really easy. You know, like there's some guys like like John Morant, he's an explosive athlete, but he's so fast and it just looks explosive with these guys. I mean, it just looks effortless. Like it just looks like they're jumping off a trampoline with very minimal effort. They're about six, seven, seven foot wingspans. One of them is more of a point guard. It's Amon, and he's a really good passer. And I actually saw somebody today say he's their number one pick. If they could take him number one. He's, I mean, super fast, very crafty with the ball. Just like I said, just an incredible above-the-rim athlete. And he's a good passer. I mean, he makes these live dribble passes, skip passes. I mean, it's like a big, you know, like a big John Morant. And so at six seven with a seven foot wingspan, and then his brother is more just so scary. I mean, what you just said is a pretty scary thing. Like, a yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think this year, like with the additional exposure, you, you're going to start seeing more people say like, wow, these, I mean, these guys are incredible. They're still a little raw. They can't shoot right now. I mean, shooting is the biggest issue, but the, the, the brother is more so of a wing because you know one of them has to have the ball. <laughs> one of them, yeah, they you know they play off of each other, but he does have some some passing ability. But they had a game yesterday where they played um, a, a team in uh, Serbia that has known. I mean, I think uh, Jokic came from the same program. They, they've had a a number of guys make it to the NBA, and um, I think one one of them had like eighteen points, eleven assists 10 rebounds five steals four blocks another one had like they, i mean their their stat lines were pretty much identical except one had more assists than the other but i mean they're phenomenal athletes two-way players again like they didn't they're just now starting to get like this this buzz because they didn't play like the big au circus where they had like a huge youtube following before they they got to this point um and i mean i i think one of them could go number three. I mean, you just don't find six, seven point guards that can pass that are just that athletic. So, again, they're still raw. The competition is isn't the best. I think overtime has done a good job recently trying to put them in different um, competitions. So they played in that um, TBT tournament this summer against grown men, and then they they have them on a tour of Europe right now where they're playing against some older teams. So I think that's that's good for them. But I mean, phenomenal athletes, like jaw-dropping athleticism. Well, I mean, at that size, that's just that's what those are the tools you need to be just kind of that difference maker in the league. And uh, you meant you talked about their shooting. I mean, they. I mean, they're still obviously really young. But mm-hmm. does the? I mean, how? Just from your experience, does the shooting stroke look like something that could improve? Um, yeah. What do you it's think? Not, it's not broken. I think it's very common when you see players with that level of athleticism to be able to get to the rim and, you know, just kind of thrive off athleticism and you see the jump shot develop later. So, um, I mean, I think the jump shot is something that can be fixed. Like you can't teach their length, their athleticism. Um, They're very competitive. Like, you know, like my mom is a twin. I had mentioned an article, so I kind of understand it. Yeah, you mentioned your mom the twin dynamic 
And so usually, I mean, there there's like this internal competition with each other that, that makes them competitive. And it, it kind of spills out to you know, everything they do. You know, one wants to be better than the other and so on. So they're very competitive. But I do think the shot can be fixed. And um, I mean, it's it's going to take some time. It's a work in progress. But I don't think it's broken. I just think it's a matter of repetition, getting with the right shooting coach. And, um, you know, with their athleticism, as long as they're respectable, mm-hmm. they're, they're dynamite. Well, the, uh, well, and then you just think of the defensive uh, potential there. It's just pretty yeah. wild. Yeah, the um, versatility and six, seven, seven well, foot wingspan. You can you oh know, defend God. one through three, maybe even four in some cases. Well, yeah, with the, I mean, how the NBA evolves. I mean, why not? But yep. you you mentioned something that was really fun, and you mentioned Danny Ainge, and there's some interesting possibilities with this draft with the Jazz, and you mentioned like the possibility. So you mentioned your mom and. And I, it was nice. It was fun to read about your mom and her connection with her twin. It kind of reminded me of the Morris twins when they came in the NBA and how, mm-hmm. like, you know, they were so bonded. They have like literally like the same tattoos on their same arm. bank account. I, I remember same reading. bank account. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, those bonds are like very real and very like and very close. And so, you mentioned like Danny Ainge and maybe a possibility of of bringing the Thompson twins to the jazz in this same draft. And I thought, man, <laughs> if, if, you know, that were the case, if somehow the jazz could find, cause the, the jazz have a treasure trove of picks now. And let's say they somehow, like I was kind of thinking about it. I don't, I don't think people remember. And Jason Tatum was the, the guy that Danny Ainge traded, uh, dra- traded back to pick. And he was probably mm-hmm. the best prospect in that draft. Now that we've, now that everything's settled, yeah. Uh, maybe Danny Ainge can pull some sort of magic where maybe the Jazz decide, hey, you know what? It would be fun to have the Thompson twins on the same team. It's two, six, seven uber athletic wings that just can do it all. Would that be, I guess I just want to hear what your thoughts of what that would be like having these guys be your two main players. Yeah, I mean, Danny is a, is a guy that, I mean, he has a reputation for just taking advantage of other other uh general managers i I remember reading something and like when he calls people are scared because they're like he has something up his sleeve but uh and i think he was brought to utah i remember as soon as i heard he was going to to utah i knew he had ties to the area but i'm like okay rudy and donovan they have one year to make this work (laughs) <laughs> or, or Danny is going to come and clean house and and, 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 that's and, what and it, it happened. <laughs> and it's crazy because they have three picks in, in 2023 and they still have assets that, that they can move. You know, well, see, that's what I thought. Like, let's say the jazz. So Danny, obviously he picked Jalen Brown. He picked uh, Jason Tatum. And one thing the jazz have just been lacking, you know, they've had some really good teams with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Um, they've really kind of lacked that really athletic impact wing. They've had Boyan Bogdanovich, who's a good shooter, but he's not like an impact athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me wonder, like, I wonder if there's a world where the Jazz win like the number two pick and maybe they they decide, hey, there's a team out there that wants Scoot Henderson really bad. Maybe we can somehow trade back and get like, I don't know. 
I'm trying to figure out how to make this happen because I think it would be a blast. And one of the things that I think would make, you know, jazz fans happy is jazz fans are always so worried about players wanting to re-sign here. Like everyone kind of ends up wanting to leave. I think Donovan definitely was kind of interested in going to New York and things like that. And, mm-hmm. and I wonder if you could somehow get the Thompson twins together. They might love just playing together and being in Utah. And, and I wonder, but anyways, if the jazz pulled off something crazy like that, would that be something that if you were the GM of the jazz, if you're Danny Ainge, would you put all your eggs in that basket and, you know, give these Thompson twins the reins and build kind of around their skill set? Is that something you would do? Yeah, I I think, I think he, one, he's going to have, well, one, they have the picks. They have the luxury of saying, okay, all right, we, we didn't get one. We didn't get two. Let's see what we can do. Maybe we can trade one of our 26 or something like that. He can package, you know, a Sexton or, or Beasley and a first round and a pick swap. I mean, they just have so many options. And, but more importantly, he's going to have the time to build the team the way he wants to do it. It's not like it's, you know, New York or LA where the fans are just, you know, they just want to keep patching something together. He's going to have time to build the team the way he wants to do it. And I, I think, and the reason why I kind of, you know, talked about that in articles because I think there's only a couple of guys in the league, whether it's Presty or, or, or Ainge, that would have that type of cushion to where you can swing for the fences, you can make mistakes, and you still have 100 draft picks. And it's like 15 or something picks in like the next few years. Like, I mean, it's it's crazy. The Jazz are just loaded now. Yeah. Just, like you said, they can just build. Like they, they have options. That's the other thing is like the Cavs pick, the un- they have an unprotected Cavs pick in 2029, and like some I, like eighth grader or something like that. <laughs> I know we were like, ta- I know it's not like how old is the player that's even going to be drafted? And so I was talking to people. I was like, how old am I going to even be in 2029? And it hurt my feelings, but like <laughs> I just was like, you can give. I think there are people that would be like, you know what? If we took two future picks from Utah, we would make this move, and they might be able to pull off something really fun and. I think the thing, the big thing for the Jazz is I think they saw this draft because Victor's going to be great. I think Scoot's going to be great. And these Thompson twins, they have, I mean, that's some, in, that's incredible upside. I mean, yeah. that type of athleticism and size, I mean, that, that gives you potential that's through the roof. And if you had like two of those guys on the same team, anyways, I just thought that was a really fun idea. I, I, I don't know if there's other teams out there that want to give it Danny Ainge the, what he wants, because it seems like everyone's. I kind of gets mad at Danny, but but he uh, has he has assets. I mean, you, I mean, you look at Clarkson has value. I mean, Conley's contract is really high, but he still has some value there. You, you got, I mean, the rumors of Phoenix wants Bogdanovich, and then if he has, he already has three first round picks. If he can end up with one or two more, he may be able to consolidate those <laughs> for. <laughs> <laughs> and and a future pick for you know get within you know two picks in the top ten. I mean, we we saw the Thunder had two lottery picks this year, and mm-hmm. I mean I, I wouldn't be surprised if Utah has has two well, this year, in twenty twenty three. Orlando's done really good with their picks. They uh, Franz Wagner, and so who knows why why can't the Jazz do that? Well, Rafael, I don't want to take too much of your time. This was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you coming on. 
um, everyone, if you haven't already, go go to NBA. Let's see, I keep saying it wrong. Draft Big Board. NBA Big NBA, Board. Yeah. NBA Big Board. Mm-hmm. Go search NBA Big Board. I'll put the link in the video. I'm going to put the link in the article. Go click on that. Go read the article. And also go follow Raphael on Twitter. He's fantastic. Um, Raphael, thanks, thanks for coming on the show. This was a ton of fun. I might I might reach out to you sometime during the season and maybe we can. Uh, Anytime. Well, I mean, I feel like I'm going to have a lot of <laughs> interest coming from the Beehive oh. State. So. Oh, you definitely are. Ja- <laughs> jazz fans. Jazz fans, like honestly, jazz fans, go and subscribe to the Substack because this is the year for jazz fans to really get, uh, you know, educated on all the different players. This draft is loaded. We haven't even talked about guys like Cam. What is it, Cam Whitmore? And yeah, and there's other guys in this draft that are just, I mean, it's just a great draft to be in, and the Jazz are definitely all in. So, but yeah. thank you, Raphael. I'll I'll be reaching out sometime in the future here to talk about the draft and other things. So, thanks for coming on. Yeah, anytime, let me know. I mean, if all goes well, I'm planning to spend a good chunk of the year in France. I can give you live Wimbenyama oh. updates. So, um, well, I might I might be bothering you in the DMs to say, hey, what are you hearing? <laughs> yeah, let me know. I, I appreciate this. So, yeah, just uh, shoot me a message and uh, we can we can make it happen. Awesome. Well, thanks, Rafael. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you later. All right. Have a good one.